This is the Acts 2028 podcast, where two young Church of God pastors discuss the challenges and victories we face in leading revitalization. I am TJ Samuel. I am Brian Seidel. I am in an urban context in Seattle, Washington. I am in a suburban and rural context in Boise, Idaho. I am in a liberal state. I am in a conservative state. My ministry background is in missions. My ministry background is in youth ministry. And yet we are both in our first lead roles. To help God revitalize the existing church in the Pacific Northwest. We are helping each other. And you. To truly live out Acts 20, 28. DJ, here we are again, uh, not just for our next episode, but we're actually wrapping up this first season of our podcast. Uh, and, you know, we got, again, just a lot going on, wrapping up the school year, moving on to summer plans and different things. But um, can you believe we already have an entire season done? I know. In some regards, it seems like it's gone super fast, um, especially as we've, you know, done this every couple of weeks. Um, those weeks have just kind of rolled together, but I'm glad that we've been able to do it. And I'm glad that, um, you know, we've been able to discuss different things to help. And and my prayer is that not only has this been a benefit for us, but that this season has uh, helped reach people and honor God's people for his kingdom and those things. And so we've covered a lot of ground over this past season as we bring that to an end, but so grateful um, you know, just to hear the feedback from people, um, their hearts and their appreciation, um, whether that's the things that we've talked about with people that have passed on, that have run the race and, and won the prize to um, just how do we deal with these things? And uh, it's good to be able to have a support system, as we talked about, too, to be able to bounce those off. But uh, I'm glad that we've made it to this point. I'm looking forward to uh, even more in the future. So yeah, definitely. So as we think back again, that's what part of what we want to do today is kind of go back over and recap uh, some of what we've covered in the season. Like I said, for those who are listening, we hope that you've uh, you've hung with us well. We hope that you've found some value in our conversations. And again, and we would love to hear from you. So if uh, again, we have heard from some of you, but we'd love to hear from from more uh, as you listen to this. And even if you're kind of behind or get caught up and, and read that, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, one, we you can just email us uh, at acts2028podcast at gmail.com, uh, or you can leave comments on any of our social media accounts uh, or, or comment on your on your uh, platform or whatever you listen to. Some of them allow you to do that. So again, we love to hear from you. And even not just uh, what you've liked or how, how what's been gone, gone well for you from this season, but also if you wanted to let us know what you'd like to hear in upcoming seasons. Uh, again, part of our plan, right, is that we are going to uh, do this in seasons where we have, uh, you know, 10 episodes and which will cover about half the year. And then uh, then we're planning to take take a month or so off and just to plan for the next one and get caught up on other things. And then we'll jump back in uh, to season two here at the end of the summer. And so uh, about August again, just watch for season two to, to start up again. But like I said, we'd love to hear from you. And just some things that you would maybe like for us to, to talk about or to cover or some guests you'd like to hear from, you know, whatever that might be. Um, so let us know. 
what that might be. But uh, also today, though, before we kind of wrap up season one, is one thing we had planned to talk about was was the role of our families in our churches. And one, just not only how we balance our family life, but also uh, how uh, how they invest with us into our churches and the ministry that God's called us to. Because the reality is God has put a call on my heart and your heart, TJ, right? As pastors, but our families are a part of that call. And they, um, you, you know, no matter how loosely they're involved or, or, or closely they are involved, um, they, they live out that call as much as we do. So again, just something that we want to look at today. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's integral to uh, not only do what we do, but to do it effectively, right? Because this is part of why we have the discussion is um, we want to be equipped and we want to be able to um, empower. And I think, you know, at its purest root, obviously ministry starts at home for us. Um, yes. You know, we have these churches that we talked about that we're leading um, and helping, but at the same time, our accountability to God and otherwise is the stewardship that we have of our own families and how they roll. Um, I think you touched on a point that we're probably going to get into here, obviously deeper, but um, man, having a stake in the ministry um, from a family buy-in standpoint is um, I think is necessary. And I mean, I don't think that that should be from a standpoint that it's forced to where the thing that is, um, that pushes them away is the faith that we're trying to sow into their life. But from a standpoint of, I think when you have a whole family buy-in, whether that's, you know, your wife or your kids or those different things, and we'll talk about the roles that our kids play in our ministry. um, I think that that sets you up for success and it sets you up for, you have uh, a common ground and you have a mutual understanding of what God is doing. And so that allows you guys to be successful in what you're doing. It's not just a, um, well, this is what dad does and um, that's his job because I don't think it's a job. It's obviously we know it to be a calling. And so I think, how do we handle that? How do we get buy-in from our family? How do we get engagement um, in roles? And that doesn't mean that (laughs) on the other part of that too, that that's just a ton of free labor, uh, but (laughs) it's also just like, how do we engage with them in in a positive way so that they can, um, you know, take ownership in that, that, their faith has an application uh, piece that maybe others don't get a chance to have. And so how do you balance that? How do you make that work? And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of kicking a few of those things around and understanding where we're at. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Hey, you know, I think before we, we talk about all the things and again, all things that we need to talk about and address, but before that, let's just let our listeners know um, the makeup of our family. So again, we are, we are both married. We both have wives that, that serve with us in various roles uh, and we also both have kids. So I'll start with, again, uh, with my wife. And actually, as we're recording this, today is actually my anniversary. Uh, and so it is yeah. our 19th anniversary. So we've been uh, together, though, for we were together five years before we got married. So we've actually been together 24 years and we've been married 19 today. Um, and then also, and we have four kids. So we have uh, three boys that are our, our, our biological boys. And so our oldest is 17. Um, and so he and my kids just finished their school year. So actually, this is literally the first week of summer for them. So they're so next year grades, right, is my oldest is 17. He's going to be a senior uh, in high school. So we literally he'll be looking. He's already looking at colleges. I mean, we've been looking at that. But then 
Uh, my next son, he is 15 and he's going to be a sophomore next year in high school. Um, and then I have a 12 year old son who's going to be a seventh grader next year. So two in high school, one in middle school. Um, and I said, and those are our, our biological kids because we adopted our daughter, uh, two and a half years ago. So she is two and a half, I guess actually a little, a little more than two and a half. So, uh, like I said, we adopted her, um, we got her as an infant. And so we were in the delivery room when she was born, uh, and, um, took her home from straight to our house. So, uh, so again, we just an incredible blessing and that's a completely different story, probably for a different episode, maybe next season perhaps, but, uh, but yeah, so we adopted her and so she is two and a half. So I literally have a house full of teenagers and a toddler. So it comes from some very interesting exchanges in my house and my house is never quiet. So that's, uh, the way that that works. How about you, DJ? Yeah. So actually here uh, at our church, Courtney does, she's on staff. And so she actually has a role where she is uh, handling a lot of the stuff, makes it look better and communications. So she has a, a background in marketing. Um, and so she really helps hold me together and uh, communicate things to the church that maybe I think I am, but I'm not doing a great job. She really does a good job of, of handing that uh, out to them. And then as far as our kiddos, we have three, we go boy, girl, boy. Um, so my girl's in the middle. And, uh, so my oldest is Trey, um, AKA Talalotu Elikana Samuelu the third, uh, for those of you that are keeping score at home. And so we call him Trey to shorten that up for three. And then TJ, that is obviously mine as well, but that's Talalotu junior. Cause I was named after my dad. So when people ask me, is that a uncommon name? I say, no, there's three people in my direct family that have that name. I don't see what the big deal is, but um, yeah, so he will be, he's 11 right now. He's got a birthday coming up this month and he'll be 12, but he'll be starting middle school. So he'll be in sixth grade uh, when we get back into school in the fall. And my daughter, Elikana, she is 10 uh, and she's going to be in fifth grade. So she'll be in her last year of elementary here. And then our youngest is a boy. His name is Isaiah. He is seven and he will be in second grade when we kick off in the fall. And so they all are uh, here at the church and they all play a role. And, and yeah, we'll probably talk about some of those responsibilities here coming up in a bit. So, yeah, definitely. So, so again, just so everybody understands, you know, uh, again, where we're coming from, what our homes look like. Again, we do have, uh, again, married kids, uh, you know, balancing all of that along with leading our churches. Um, and so, you know, you, you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to make sure we talked about. And, and again, something that I think we need to get right in the church and, and something that, that I think has kind of been messed up in the past. And I think part of what has, has led to some dysfunctional families uh, of pastors. And again, that's just to say that is that's one of the reputations that I really wrestled with when about going into, to being a pastor and to ministry as a career uh, was, was what my kids and my family would, would be involved in and what it would do to them. Because unfortunately, and, and I don't know if you've seen this, but the, the reputation that I saw was pastor's kids had a really hard road, right? Yeah. And, and, and pastor's kids would either grow up to be pastors themselves, or they would hate the church as adults. And, and I saw both of those, uh, in kind of my circles and churches that I grew up in. And, 
And so again, I am a first generation pastor. Um, it is not something that anybody in my family history has ever done before. And so when I felt that call, that was literally one of my struggles. One of my kind of arguments with God about pursuing ministry as a career was that I did not want to do that to my kids. Right? And, and so um, that, that kind of has been a struggle, not, not a struggle, but again, something that's been in the forefront of my mind from the very beginning right? Is that I wanted them to fall in love with God. And I also did not want them to, to be jaded by the church, right? Um, you know, or to grow up as adults to hate the church because of how the church had, you know, treated me or treated our family. And so, um, so that is definitely something that, that is a real issue. And so again, I, I don't know what your experience has been or, or how our listeners have been, but unfortunately there is kind of that kind of black eye, I think of, of, church world and culture and, and the way that pastors families can, can suffer. Yeah. And I think part of that is kind of what we talked about was um, you have this piece where uh, you know, maybe even it's not just a, a, our family issue. It starts with us really. And I think there's part of this, that the justification, and that's where I let in with ministry starts at home. I mean, I think so often pastors, we can, um, try to justify and say, well, I've got this ministry that I need to keep going. And if it comes at a detriment to your own personal family, um, that can be a very tough, difficult thing. And so really, yeah, knowing that um, in my family, uh, going back, you know, we talked about, you know, part of your heritage is the youth pastor side. Part of me, it's missions. And, and part of the reason why missions is so important is we do have that history in our family. My grandfather was a pastor in American Samoa. And so I think um, that was modeled, although he passed away before I was born and I didn't get a chance to see that. Um, I see that what you're talking about through my dad um, and some of the others. So being a PK, so to speak, is never an easy thing. And um, in fact, there's a lot of oftentimes rebellion that's associated with that. Um, and I think for me, I don't want that to be a crutch. I don't want that to be a reason for my kids to um, be frustrated or have any of those things. But yeah, my grandfather did it. In fact, that's when missionaries came, they brought my dad over, uh, which full circle now that we're serving in Seattle, a suburb is Kirkland. And so when my dad landed from the islands, he landed right here um, about 15 minutes from now where we are serving. And um, that was the goal was he was supposed to learn, be equipped, learn ministry and go back and help take over my father's church. Um, but he obviously, he, he didn't have that and didn't feel that call to complete that. And God had different plans for him. Um, so yeah, it was modeled. Um, I didn't get a chance to see it uh, play itself out, but I know what that looks like. And, you know, again, in my personal family, because of that influence, that was something that was um, a focal point for my parents and my upbringing. And so I think that that's there. And I think, you know, maybe a little bit of an offshoot of that is one of the things that when I say it starts with us that we have to be cognizant of is, uh, look, as good as we are and as equipped as we are, um, you know, at our best, at our, at our lowest, we know where we, we stand, but like at our best, if Satan can't get us to fall, um, realistically, he's going to go after our families and he's going to go after the things. And as pastors, you know, we know this to be true, even on our staffs. You know, we have huge bullseyes on us as being lead pastors um, that are helping see this thing through. But 
man, even if you, you know, we've talked about even roles that lay people role. If you're, if you're a pastor listening to this and you're reliant upon volunteers, um, you, you've lived this out at some point because it's like, man, if it, if it's not you and you're doing everything you can, um, with your connectivity to God, you're putting on the armor of God every day and you're so reliant upon him. It's not a, a question as to why he would go after your next tiered people, whether that's your key volunteers, whether that's your family, um, whether there's other parts. And so like, I think it's important why we have this and not to just dismiss this because it is a real thing. And Satan comes to kill, steal and destroy. And we know that to be true, but greater is he who is in us. And so that is the part that we are talking about today is, man, how do we, how do we help? How do we get that? So, yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, and so I guess I do have a little bit of a cheat in the sense that I have a grandfather that went through this, but I didn't really get a chance to see that um, play itself out. But yeah, some of those same things you talked about, Brian, I have those same things. I don't want my kids to resent the church because it robbed them of time with their dad um, or any of those other things that we've associated in the past. So really balancing that um, of serving wholeheartedly but also being the best dad that we can be. Yeah, absolutely. And again, as you mentioned a couple of times, the thing in that, right? Biblically speaking, your first ministry, no matter what your vocational call is, your first ministry is to be the spiritual leader of your family. And so you need to, again, lead your marriage. You need to lead your kids. You need to, again, talk about spiritual things at home, right? And again, not just about church events, not just about work, right? But again, are you discipling your own kids? Are you showing them modeling what a, a daily walk with Jesus looks like and, you know, and plays out in a, on a daily basis? Uh, you know, because again, they, I mean, they see what you do and they, they are, they are following, especially, you know, having a toddler in my house right now, you're just constantly reminded that monkey see monkey do. Right. And she's always, saying things that we say and doing things that we do. And, you know, she's, I mean, she's learning so much about how you do life. And again, is Jesus a part of that? And, uh, you know, again, the, uh, it was just a couple of weeks ago. I mean, she once again came over and, you know, I, I mean, part of my morning routine is I get up and, you know, do my devotions. Right. And I, I, I read scripture and journal every morning and, and again, not sermon prep. I mean, it's completely separate from anything I'm doing at church. And, Again, and she went and found her Bible, right? And she had her, you know, her little Gideon Bible and just, you know, came over and sat down on the couch next to me. And, uh, you know, I just say that like my middle son, Curtis, again, he did that too. when he was about that age, he found, and I have a picture of him, you know, of, of finding his Bible and sitting out with me in the morning. And so, you know, again, are, are you discipling your own kids? And I think that's where, again, if you're a pastor, if you're a lay leader, no matter what your role is in the church, the, the, the biblical mandate to us is that we are first discipling our own families, right? And that we are the spiritual leaders of our families. And so, and in our marriages and, and in that, and so make sure that you don't do that now, or, or that you do that, right? But don't, don't cheat on your family because of the church, right? Don't, don't um, not fulfill that requirement, that biblical requirement, you know, which kind of in this whole topic, as we say that about, you know, the time we spend at the church versus the time with our families and kind of all those things that is, especially in a, in a uh, revitalization project, there's always more to do at the church, right? There's the, again, the work never stops. And I think that's part of 
part of the challenge as a pastor, as a vocational minister is that, you know, again, we don't clock out either. Right. I, I mean, you know, we can't just be like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm sorry. You're struggling. Sorry. You're in the hospital, you know, whatever. If we get that call, we, we go and we meet them. And so, you know, again, we can't be like, yep, I will deal with that Monday at 9am. Right. Like again, this, you know, that's, that's not a part of the job. And so because of that, we can tend to um, cheat our families out of things that we should be at, right. Or to do, because there's always things to do with the church. The church people are always in need. Right. And there's always more. And, you know, that's been one of the things that has framed my mindset when it comes to this is, um, Andy, Andy Stanley, I, I listened to a talk that Andy Stanley did, and he did it at many different conferences and, you know, um, large venues, those kind of things. Again, if you haven't heard him speak one, he's one of the, just, one of the people I love listening to the most, as far as preachers go, uh, he's just very engaging, but, but he did a talk and I remember it. And, and again, the, I don't remember the exact title, but something about, you know, if you choose like choosing to cheat or, you know, something like that. But I remember his quote and kind of the premise of that talk was, um, if you're going to cheat somebody, cheat the church, not your family. Right. And, uh, you know, there's been many times of that because again, we make that call, right? We make that choice. Hey, am I going to do the next task on my to-do list and stay late at the office or am I going to go home? Right. And, you know, or whatever it is. And like, there's been time. And he said, he's like, man, he's like, cause somebody's going to get cheated because you do not have enough time in your life, you know, to, to do it all. He's like, so if you're, if somebody's going to get cheated, make sure that the church gets cheated, not your family. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just a simple thing is we've navigated this uh, first year that's been so difficult with COVID and those things. So like my oldest son, Trey, he will come. And part of this is by design so that when I'm gone, he's not pestering his two younger siblings for his mom. But uh, no, he's been a really great help. And so some of the things that I look forward to is, you know, even on a Saturday, like sermon prep, if, you know, you just described that you nailed it. Throughout the week, there's always a, uh, you know, another thing that you can run to, another thing that you can seek time into. And so if you push those margins a bit, uh, means that Saturday, I'm going to have a couple things I still need to complete because I, I chose to, to take on those tasks. Well, part of that is we try to make it fun. So him and I will come in and we have a gym here at the church. And so, you know, he wanted to pitch the other day. So he's throwing fastballs and stuff at me in the gym and, you know, just really connecting. And so like trying to find ways that if I am um, away, that there is still an enrichment piece that is coming. And so like when dad's there, he knows that uh, he'll come and, and he'll fall. Like there's been times where we come in late and so he'll play or we'll shoot in the gym uh, around the world with the basketball. And then he'll come up and he'll crash on the couch in my office and say, all right, dad, wake me up when it's time to go home. And, um, you know, so you try to find what is, is there. And like you said, even as a byproduct, you know, you had queued up, actually, this is our normal day for recording, but I had to reach out to you earlier in the week and say, Hey, um, I have someone coming home from the hospital. I might need to go help uh, transition them home. And so do you have flexibility to where we can push to another day? And so those are commonplace, right? Those come up. Um, and you know, that's where we're at. And so really what you said was so important is to make sure. Um, and if you have that, sometimes we have some of that flexibility. Yes. Pastors do work other than Sundays, 
Um, but, you know, like, how do we uh, do that in, in a way that helps our family? So if I cause an effect, if I, if I pull on one thread and give up some here, um, I try to find ways where I can make that up in a way that um, maybe isn't normal. Um, like, so that would have been Sunday. So Sunday after church, it was the weekend. Kids didn't have uh, the little thing that they normally have going on. So we went to the park and we played like home run derby as a family at the little league baseball park right next to our house. And so we walked over with a bucket of balls and we just did some of those things. So really trying to um, find those intentional, if that's the word that I want to use connectivity points to have that ministry that they can see that. And I love that story that you shared about, you know, both Curtis and Claire, um, mimicking that because I've seen that in my life for my kids. So there might be time even in sermon prep. Uh, there was a time where I was like, Oh man, dad's got to go and get this. And the older two sat down and said, well, we'll write a sermon dad. And so they just start on their little, you know, cause remote learning has done wonders for them apparently in their keyboard use. And so they were like, Hey, I want to write one too. And um, it was interesting because, you know, like in, in pastoral talk, we have, different translations, right? We have NIV, we have ESV, and, and depending on where we're studying, some are more word for word, some are more thought for thought. And um, I saw that play itself out in my older two. So Trey was more like literal word for word, like he is taking scripture, he is, um, you know, putting it down into it. And that, that's how he rolled. Well, Ella was more like thought for thought, and she was ordering and getting stuff that she knew that she wanted to communicate. And it was really, um, you know, an affirming piece to be able to do that and see that. And so, again, you know, another offshoot, I'll just keep going all over the place here. I'm, I'm, I'm squirting like a watermelon seed as you try to <laughs> nail some of these down, Brian. But he's like, uh, one of the greatest things for me is that that takes root, right? And you said ministry starts at home. Right before we moved here, um, I got a chance to baptize my son. Uh, Cloverdale in Idaho. And that was one of the biggest parts of my life. And, and then just this past, you know, right before we went, it was Easter Sunday. Um, right before we went on our little vacation, we talked about, um, I got to baptize my daughter and, um, to see those things and have them make that decision, not something for me. Um, that was huge. And so when you can see those incremental growth things, when you can see them, uh, following and mimicking. And, and like you said, maybe uh, as little at times as they are, it's a mirror because it's a reflection to be able to see how are we handling it? Because kids are so honest and, you know, I mean, there's parts in, in TV shows even now, I think I saw one that said, you know, kids say the darndest things, right? Because they just do that. And it's so authentic. It's so real. If you want to know um, how you are, just take a look at your kids at times and um, you'll probably see some of that. So anyhow, yes, really seeing that through. And um, yeah, I think some of my greatest moments in ministry, because they mean so much, is watching my kids' testimony play itself out in a meaningful way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just coincidentally, one of the last things that I did before I left Cloverdale was baptize my um, oldest two sons. So yeah, in fact, they were they were baptized uh, on the same day. And like I said, I got to baptize them uh, in the same baptismal you baptized your son at Cloverdale. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, which is, which is awesome. But, um, you know, okay. One of the other things, uh, just to kind of switch gears a little bit here, one of the other things that we talked about is the role of our wives. 
right? And, and our spouses. Again, this is another kind of traditional black eye of the church, right? Is that there are some that believe if they hire you as the pastor, they are also hiring your spouse, right? And, or your family as free labor. Now, this is, again, uh, one of the other things that, that I think we need to just kind of call out and, uh, and address and to say that if you are in a situation um, where there is that expectation of your spouse and of your family, right? That because you are the pastor, because they are paying you, that everybody needs to come to work. I will tell you that is false. Hey, that is not true. Um, and, and in fact, um, your compensation should not be structured that way. Um, that if the church hires you, then they hire you and only you. Right. And now if your family chooses to volunteer, just like anybody else volunteers in the church, that that's up to them. Right. But it should not be a requirement of your job. Now, yeah. as you said, right, is that your wife does serve the church and she's also paid to do so. Right. She is on yeah. staff. Right. So, again, if uh, and, and I've heard that as well, you know, I mean, couples that serve together, that they're in different roles, whatever it is, but make sure if that's where you are, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But making sure that the church knows, right, that they are employing both of you and that you are being compensated um, as such. Right. Well, I mean, it says a worker is worthy of their wage. And I think, you know, as we look at those things, or if we look at um, roles, I think that there can be seasons, obviously, where, you know, people can help get something off the ground if there's a need. But, um, you know, I think, to have that be a long-term solution, oftentimes that puts a ceiling on different things, you know, where if they are running with a children's program, usually historically is another one of those, or, um, you know, they play the piano, so they're supposed to help with worship or um, any of those kind of things. Oftentimes that will, you know, if you identify that's a true need, I would say try to work yourself out of it. Now, like you said, we've been very fortunate with wherever we've gone that, um, you know, we've worked together in ministry. And so that compensation's there. Um, so that's, that's helpful. Um, and the value in it, especially since we have two different, um, skill sets that really being able to use those and the strengths that we have in our own personal life. Uh, we also use in ministry as well. Um, you know, that, like you said, there's not a, 24 seven part, but I, I think, you know, it's, there is a, a hard part when your wife works for you as well that I, I can't, uh, um, you know, gloss over. I mean, I think that creates its own dynamics that can be sure it does. Yep. A, a difficulty, right? Because it is tough to be the compassionate husband that needs help in those things, but yet still be the boss. And I think, you know, even with best intentions, I'd probably say if, Courtney was on right now for an interview, she'd probably say, yeah, there's times where I'd rather be um, Courtney, the wife than uh, Courtney, the uh, employee that works for you. And so I I think that that's true. So really, again, knowing how do you balance that? How do you work through that? But if you can, um, I think that those same things that you do to be successful in your marriage and your own personal life, uh, are part of the ministry. And again, it can build some of that added connectivity because they have insight into what you're going through with what you're doing. And I mean, even if your wife's not, we've all been in that situation where um, maybe you have a different job. Maybe you're a layperson, you're listening to this right now, 
and you come home with a really tough day and your wife has no idea, or maybe guys, we're the ones that are biggest offenders. We walk in and, you know, maybe you have a stay at home wife and your first uh, reaction is to be like, what happened here today? Maybe don't lead in with that. Maybe there was a lot of things that went on (laughs) with your kids and otherwise that she was just keeping the ship afloat. And for you to come in and uh, drop that bomb probably isn't going to get you a lot of points. So um, really, yes, understanding how those roles work, how they play in and how to balance those. Um, Because when both parents are serving uh, maximum hours, of course, again, what we've talked about, you have to be more intentional with how do you incorporate the rest of the family? It's not just one um, person doing that. Both are sacrificially giving at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, that was one of the things that, excuse me, that we, we commuted very communicated very clearly with Oregon Trail when we came here, you know, was that again, they were hiring me. Now again, Maureen has some very significant roles, obviously in my own life and in our marriage, you know, again, we, I mean, we share, we carry each other burden, each other's burdens. Wow. I cannot talk right now. Uh, you know, I, I mean, definitely we, we are working together, but yet, uh, you know, and she does serve in the church and, and, but she also has her own out, you know, career outside of our home, uh, as well as, you know, running our family together. And so, um, you know, I mean, she's, she's very busy. And so, uh, that, that was something that Oregon trail did very well. I would say is that they really respected the fact that, that Maureen was working outside in her own career that we had our family time. And like I said, that's been, we've been very blessed with that, that they've been, uh, you know, very respectful of that. Uh, but yeah, at the same time, Maureen has played some major roles, right. In the church and the revitalization and part of our success has, is because of things that she's done and led and, and worked through. And so she's definitely been a part of that. Now I say during our youth ministry years, right. Especially when the, when the boys were little, uh, you know, through the pregnancies and through different stuff, there was seasons where she was very, very involved. And there was other seasons where she really wasn't involved, uh, you know, depending on the seasons of her own career and of our family and the ages of our kids and those kinds of things. And I think, and just know that's okay. Right. Is it, it's going to kind of ebb and flow. But again, the point being is that there's that your job should not be dependent on how involved your spouse is. Right. And, or your kids are now to say that is that's one of the things that stands out to me about when we came to Oregon trail, when we were at Cloverdale, like I said, there was times when Maureen was really involved. There's other times when she wasn't in seasons. And like I said, our kids were small. In fact, um, our oldest Colin, he was just going into middle school when we came to Oregon trail. And so that was part of the reasons why we moved then too, was just the, the transition of our family already, right. Of moving out of elementary school for him. But I, I think it's been very significant though, that when we came to Oregon trail, that it was, it was something that our family signed on to. Right. And when we got here, like I said, I've seen all of my kids step up and lead and serve in in lots of different roles. And they have played a a big part, right, in our success at Oregon Trail um, because it hasn't been just me. And we have truly served as a family. And and I think that's where, um, again, has been huge, right, into, into, connecting into the community, you know, whether it's been through their sports, through school stuff, through, you know, the connections my wife had in the school district through, cause she's a teacher, by the way. I mean, that's her, her profession outside of that. So, you know, again, there's, my family has played a major role uh, in, in the success of the church and the growth of the church and what God's done here. And so they're very significant. Right. And, and again, they, they have, and they, they, again, 
deserve a lot of the credit as well. Yeah. And I mean, I've heard families that have taken it even, you know, as they go to the mission field and stuff that, you know, they, one of the things is communication and they've given, I've heard families I've given their kids uh, a stake as shareholders to get to vote. Now they have done that under the premise that they've all been praying about it, obviously. And that that's God's prompting. But when they've raised kids where they feel like, yes, this is where we have to go um, because this is where God's calling us. Um, that that level of buy-in is different and that there's not this um, resentment or some of those things that take place. Um, and I'd say that even took place here or is currently taking place uh, with my family. You know, I mean, I think this first year in a unique place where, you know, it's notorious for trying to annex itself from the United States with chop and chaz and having these autonomous zones and things. Um, you know, our kids didn't have that core group to plug in with and stuff. And so um, like my oldest has verbalized at times where daddy, uh, I know we're supposed to be here because God needs us to be here, but I really miss back in Boise. And so, I mean, I know those things are, are real. We have to constantly have communication with our families. I think that along the way, having family, uh, you know, conversations to check in, what is the temperature? Where are you at? Where, where are things at? And, uh, you know, in fact, when we close this today, one of the things we're doing is, is going to look at um, the potential of a private school so that, and I've never been a private school person. I went through public school. We were in public school in Boise, but there are just so many things here that are difficult um, with the passing of R90, um, you know, with uh, teaching, uh, sex ed and, and starts in kindergarten and uh, all the different things, including the LGBTQT uh, portion of that. And so there's a lot of really difficult things um, that our kids are inundated with here. And so how do we do that? And, and it's not even those topics because I don't think that our kids are completely aware of them, but um, like our oldest said, daddy, I think I'd like to go to a different school because um, I think maybe they would be, more consequences in the classroom. Like, I think that the kids get away with a lot of stuff that we didn't used to be able to get away with. And so again, um, you know, sometimes we get gummed up with restrictions or structure with our kids of like, Oh, they're so cute. Let them go by. Like to hear that verbalized from my oldest one that like, man, we need this. Like, this is even crazy. And like, he's the one that's always bouncing off walls that desires nothing more than to have a helmet on his head and be running into things and tackling people. So when he says that, um, you know, it takes pause as a parent um, to know and to understand what he's going through, what he's seen through his eyes and how that's just different or maybe just um, working off a completely different rubric than we would as a family. And so knowing what your kids are going through, knowing uh, how that's helping them, and that's good and bad. I'm talking about cultural stuff in in the city we're serving, but um, even in ministry. Like, how, how are we doing this? How are we doing this well? What are areas? And so um, one of the things I know we were going to talk about is just like even the role. And so I'll, I'll lead in with him is um, on a Sunday, you could find him doing a multitude of different things. He's kind of got the utility belt of uh, most likely recently he is in the uh, nursery during um, the 1030 service. And he loves playing with the kids and the kids love playing with him. I wish that he would play that well with his younger siblings, but the teachers love him and that's part of his ministry. 
He also helps with um, the media side um, at times and helping with the cameras when need be. And so there's been elements where they serve and he enjoys it like because it's his role that he can take on. And um, so, again, they do different parts and we have a, a campus, so to speak, another venue um, in our gym where we simulcast our service to. And so they help set up with that. They help with um, picking up communion and doing some of those things. And so uh, like after the cups have all been used and stuff like that, after we've taken communion. And so they're finding ways to serve and engage um, in different ways. And that's so humbling and so awesome to do. And uh, I wish that I could help take credit, but um, <laughs> you know, Courtney does a really good job with uh, nurturing and loving on them to make sure that that, um, it's something that they do um, because it gives them an opportunity for, you know, you talked about your wife as far as teaching. I had um, some teaching in my background as being a Bible teacher and stuff, but I think that's one of the hardest parts you can teach people. And, and this isn't a Sadducee Pharisee kind of part, but it's the application piece, like not just having this head knowledge, whatever the curriculum is, but putting it into play. And I think that's one of the things for me as a pastor that I desire is that application piece, like inviting people to church on Sunday is, is huge. That's important. And to get them in a community. But remember we have six days out of the week that you also as lay people or um, in different avenues or spheres of influence that you have to really reach people in a way that us pastors can't. So um, yeah, just to remember that, that that is a role of significance for sure. Yeah. And like you said, I, you know, looking at different places, like I said, my, yeah, my wife as an educator, she helps with our kids area. I guess she's one of the teachers there and um, she plays a big role there as well as in our women's ministry. Again, and those are areas that she has just, she wants to work in. Um, and look at my kids, again, my boys do all kinds of things. And again, there, and that's one of our core values is that, <clears throat> excuse me, is that, you know, all generations contribute. And so, you know, we have, we have teenagers and kids serving in lots of different areas within our church. And, uh, and again, my, and my kids truly lead the way in that, um, whether it's in the sound booth on the computer, doing the words, uh, even on the worship team, uh, my, my middle son, Curtis, he plays guitar and drums, um, and, and sings some, um, and then, uh, yeah, you know, and again, they help in the, in the nursery and the kids area as well. Uh, you know, I mean, they're just all over. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, they all have those roles. They all have those things that they do and that they contribute. And uh, yeah, that's, I can definitely see, in fact, you know, I mean, they're in so many different areas that in fact, when we are um, here on a Sunday, is that we're, ne we're never together really at church because of everywhere that they're serving and kind of all these different places. And in fact, I mean, I've literally had some people ask me, they're like, okay, who is your wife? Like, who are your kids? Cause like, cause we're literally, we're never together when we're at church. And so, you know, and until I kind of point them out, they, they don't even know who my family is sometimes. Yeah. Well, we had an opportunity, um, you know, we were saying goodbye to a young family and, um, you know, saying hello to, we just got a new director for our child center, um, that we run here, uh, you know, on Monday through Friday. And so we got a chance to, uh, pray over them and it was so good. I mean, our congregation knows Courtney again, we're a little bit smaller, but, to invite her up. And she was the one that was able to give the ladies like some flowers. And, um, she does all those thoughtful things again with communication. And so she's very intentional. And I mean, 
you go down the list and we've talked about the significance of families, but I think, um, you know, having a wife that supports what you do, um, and understands that is so vital to ministry. Like if you, if you and your wife are not on the same page, um, or, you know, you and your husband, if you, if you're the woman that's, um, in ministry, man, that is, that's a recipe for very difficult, strenuous times. And so, um, you know, we know that as being equally yoked, but also in the part of buy-in. And so I think if you are uh, looking at stepping into a role or entertaining one of those things, you know, really be working through this with your family. And, you know, we say communication, and I think I've said it before, um, Gary Moore from Cloverdale would go a step further. He uses uh, his mums the word, like mutual understanding method. So not just communication, but a mutual understanding on a common ground to be able to say, um, yeah, here's what our core expectations are. Here's what we have. Um, and honestly, it's the most freeing thing that I can say from in my ministry, but it also is like, I can do what I do and I'm a good version of myself. And I totally get the adage now of behind every good man is a great woman. And so like, I can fully attest to that and give a hearty amen uh, with that standpoint, because what people see, um, you know, with Sundays and those things and and all the things that we're able to do, including meet people at the hospital is because of the buy-in of our family, because of my wife and what she does behind the scenes. And, especially if she has another job uh, like Maureen in your situation, the fact that um, she's, she does that sacrifice where she is doing her stuff. But then when you need that, she steps in and spans that gap for you. That's such an important piece to anybody's ministry. So I would say, man, make sure that you guys are on the same page that you guys can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I second that amen, right. Is yeah. Again, I have a, great woman behind me and supporting me in lots of ways. And, and again, our families, uh, again, we are both very blessed, right. With, with our families and, and our wives and, and our kids and just everybody and the support that they give. So yeah. with that, um, you know, to that great season, I think, you know, our first season on, on air and, and doing this, like I said, we've covered a lot of things and, you know, from, uh, again, from just talking about our own stories is kind of how we opened the season and, and then we, uh, you know, saw kind of where we start each started with our first few weeks and months, you know, and our, and our new churches, um, you know, as we both stepped into existing churches, which again, is kind of the premise of our podcast, um, how our online presence, you know, how we've dealt with COVID kind of all these different things, um, and, you know, change, how do we change? We had this interview with Jim Lyon. Again, we talked about, um, you know, again, our good friend, Mel Snyder, that was from both of us and his life. And he suddenly passed away and just his influence in us. I mean, again, we we've covered a lot of ground here in this season. Again, we'd love to hear from you guys as our listeners of what, what you've taken away, uh, how the podcast has helped you and what you'd like to hear in the future. And again, one of the things we've talked about is we do want to do some more interviews. And that's one of the things we want to do in future seasons is have, um, a little, a little more, more often of hearing some other outside voices other than just us. And so uh, we are, uh, that's one of our goals for next season. But again, thanks for hanging with us through this whole first season. And as we figured out some things on the tech side and, and, you know, kind of all those things as well, but 
we're, we're, if you've made it this far, congratulations, right? That you've put up with some, some bad audio and some different things. But um, again, we're, 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 we are thankful again to be able to do this podcast and that we get to stay connected with you. And uh, we'd love to hear back from you and, and some ideas for future episodes or, or idea of, of someone that you'd love to hear us interview or to go through. Uh, and so TJ, are we ready to wrap season one? I think we are. I think we are, but I am, I would echo that same sentiment. I'm grateful for those. And my prayer is that it's an encouragement, right? That in the midst of all of those follies that we have, whether that's a, a technical thing or anything that, um, that Jesus is a subject in the midst of all of those things that like his grace is sufficient, uh, not only for eternity for us, but even in the moments that this would be an encouragement to whoever hears it, that they would be um, strengthened by it and that it would be one of those moments to boldly say, well, for lack of a better term, hell no to Satan. So like, I think those are the moments that I, you know, really appreciate about this. And as we look forward um, again, like you said, get ready for season two, look for us in August as we get ready to gear back up and get ready to find out where God takes us next. Acts 20, 28. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. The Acts 2028 podcast is a broadcast production of In His Grip Publishing. Our theme music is Achievement by Giovanni Bruno. We'd love to hear from you on our social media accounts or through email. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Acts 2028 Podcast. Or send us an email at acts2028podcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, leave us ratings and reviews, and even give us your email so you can be notified of new episodes. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we hope that you will lead wherever God has put you. And together we can all live out Acts 2028 as we serve in the established church.